Alright everyone, welcome back to a, another um, episode of, of Jaws Coffee Chat, the Mental Health Awareness, or not, the Christ Talk, Christ, the Jaws Christ Talk, there we go, I can't talk today. Um, and today we have... Um, Kurt joining us, um, and we may be having somebody else join us, but John joining us shortly. Um, but uh, please be sure to share and subscribe to our uh, YouTube and pages and wherever you found us. Um, and so now let's get to on with the show. Uh, I'm going to turn it over to Jennifer A. Whitaker to get us going here. Welcome, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, please be sure to subscribe or follow us wherever you found this. And today we're going to get talking about Christ and his presence on this earth. Have you had any encounters lately, Kurt? Anything to share about Christ and his presence on the earth? Um, well, I mean, I guess I'll go back a couple weeks, um, referring to this um, corporate prayer session that I brought up before that, that you've been to um, with our hosts out of uh, Colorado Springs, Colorado. Um, but one of the gentlemen that joins us, he shared a couple weeks ago that you know, I was a part of a sequence of things where he said that he just appreciated how I welcomed him, you know, into um, with that meeting, you know, like saying hello and the idea that, you know, it gave him the thought that if he wasn't there, he'd be missed. And he had a couple other things in that sequence of days uh, where that happened. So he really felt that this was, you know, his divine connection because he, he's been going through um, some things with health and just personally and emotionally and, and so forth. So he kind of felt that I was a part of sequence of things that, that uh, Christ or God was trying to, you know, talk to him and it kind of helped him you know, come back, you know, in swing of his life, you know, so no matter how we interpret that testimonial, that testimony, um, you know, I think just that idea of being attentive and being ready to, you know, what that voice is and being in touch with, you know, I guess some say the non-secular, you know, that stuff that drives your life, the stuff um, in Christ talk, where you got the stuff in everyday life, you know, that secular component, then you got the non-secular. So having that connection to source, you know, to God and have that relationship, you know, so like here with Christ talk to, um, you know, to not be afraid to ask, you know, Christ for help you know, to, you know, speak to him as our brother and, 
and to say, you know, hey, I need your help. And it, it seemed like that was a little bit of what he was going through. And I've been there before. And I think you're doing this show because you've been there before. Definitely. Um, yeah, and yeah. I think each of us won't just go there once, but we'll have different seasons in life. Just like the Bible says that um, as followers of Christ, we will have good and bad seasons in life. We'll have trials and tribulations. So, yes, we'll have him to help us through life and to answer our prayers and so forth. We'll have him to worship, but also we will in the midst of serving him, not just have all this glory, but we'll have hardships. We'll have trials and tribulations. And I believe right now that I'm in one of those bad seasons, but I believe that God is using me too. Uh, you know, I've been a victim of three different crimes in the last four weeks, a little bit, I guess more like six weeks, but still uh, to me, that shows that crime has gone up, which is a secular concern. Um, but it's also shown to me that with my faith stand solely set on Christ, here I used these experiences and put twists on them to have now three additional books I have started writing. <laughs> so there was a gift in it, like a blessing that the idea, the drama that's, that's fictional stories are developing. So, you know, especially if these end up being bestsellers, then I'd be like, okay, God, I'm ready for another hardship. <laughs> I'm so, I'm but sorry. there's a gift in everything. I mean, if you really think about it, right? Mm -hmm. What was a silver lining in the pandemic we all went through? As far as now having more stuff like this, this remote work from home jobs are legitimate. I mean, there's even stuff like the pandemic that hurt the whole world in some way, some more than others, there were still silver linings in it. So yes, it's very sad. We lost those millions of lives, but look at all the things we got out of it. Yeah. But I think that goes with to go ahead. Go ahead, Emily. I'm sorry about the, uh, the, the crimes that you've had in the last last month, six weeks. Yeah. I'm having a hard time dealing with it, but part of my coping skill, you know how we were talking in the mental health awareness coping skills? Part of mine is twisting the story to be some kind of happy ending with on my side being the happy ending using fictional names. That's one of my tactics of writing my fictional books that also is a coping skill. For me. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I don't even know how I landed the idea of writing books because I've been writing writing quote books since I was in fourth grade. But in fourth grade, that could be one page with two sentences. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I mean, even with that, God had my hand moving at an early age because he destined me to at some point in my life to be an author, even though y'all know that I used to have a tutoring company 
But with the writing I did, I was able to tutor math. So it's, it's been a blessing he's given me that has blossomed in many ways to help the lives of other people. But like you're saying, you encountered some of those, Kurt, where something you did, like you were saying, with the um, prayer group on Fridays that we have at 9 Central, that you were just simply doing what you do, and it touched a life. And then God was using that, that method of you doing what you do to touch that life. He was behind the scene in control. Yeah, I mean, I think what it amounts to is, you know, this reference to, you know, and two or more gather in his name, you know, um, you know, and the idea of discernment and, you know, in these group activities, you know, there is a power in that. And, you know, there's these unsuspecting ways, you know, that he is working through us. You know, I had, you know, um, you've been at the meetings. I'm not always trying to play that role of welcoming somebody. And, you know, so it's not. No, like and I know you're not. But that's why we know that there was a divine behind it. Because at one time something happened, even though you were just being you. <laughs> Yeah, I was just being you, but yeah, something was natural there that when I considered like the conversation and, you know, and that when I made a remark his direction, I had no idea that was going on. So it's, it's a very profound experience to hear the testimony of what I did, that it's like, I have to be reminded of the moment and be like, oh yeah, I, I guess I did say that, whatever. And then to hear how it was a part of you know, a sequence of how, you know, he had that experience of being spoken to, you know, through us, you know, you say kind of like, you can see the presence of Christ in the eyes of others and so forth. Um, or the actions. You know, yeah, the actions and what's said, you know, so that's where, you know, it is an interesting practice to consider what we say, because if we're in a good discernment, a prayerful consideration, and then if you, you know, let him speak through you, you know, and in your connection with him, in a relationship with Christ, and you act by his example and in relationship with him, it's just amazing, you know, what happens. Because it, it's just, you know, the way your mind operates and the, the way you just feel and you start considering and participating the way you listen you know, things kind of take a little different nuance. Um, again, when you're letting that non-secular component kind of play into what we're doing in, in something that's an everyday thing or an every week thing, like a weekly prayer session. Yeah, you, you never know um, with whatever you say, how that affects somebody else. Like, uh, what's his face in the... Um, Christ chat or the the Corbin prayer, like he didn't necessarily have to say anything about it, but he did. And with, with um, you yeah, know, not everybody is going to. Um, I'm not sure that everybody's necessarily going to always say something in regards to it, 
and it might be somebody you've never um, saw once and will never see again. Um, <clears throat> and so you, you never, and so you wouldn't, you wouldn't know how they would affect them. So it's kind of a. Well, but also think, looking at what you're saying, that you may never know you affected them. How many of us may have been on podcasts and we affected listeners that we never knew? Neither did we ever know we impacted. Yeah, that too. That's where I was. Again, that's what I was also referring to. The, right. The, and the we could have just been joking. The one person meeting you meet once. I mean, I mean, and then I was also including other people that you may never met in the first place. So. Yeah, they may know you, but you don't know them kind of idea. And yeah. so you could be impacting them all the time with, like, my idea. Just go to Starbucks for a coffee. And, like, we're, remember I told you about cameras being on me. Okay. Well, apparently, for them to want to take a picture of me, I must have impacted them in some way or another, right? There's some kind of meaning they have. So we could even have stuff like that. That's everyday people as, you know, a president, a public speaker, a college president, um, you know, all kinds of business owners and so forth that they can affect the community through providing jobs in addition to uh, the way they impact the customers or clients. Um, you know, it could even be as simple as the waitress impacting that customer that, that she waits on. I mean, it's just even in our job, we could impact one another and not even intend it or know it. We may be just trying to keep our job or just doing whatever is our role or obligation and somehow we impact life. Because even in those ordained times, the ordinary times, we impact one another. And for those of us who know Christ, that means we're showing his love by being a good waitress at the restaurant or a good cashier, good to their customers and so forth. Anybody have anything to add? Well, I guess what, what I'll share is, um, you know, kind of a, a topic within this that that we tend to grab it maybe outside of the show. But, uh, you know, again, with the work that I do with the Disability Channel, and we think of disability advocacy and integration and kind of, you know, in sacred scripture, you know, kind of where there are stories, you know, in in the books of the Bible and so forth about the work of Christ with people with disabilities in that time. Um, you know, and then I've said before about the verse about, you know, what you do unto the least of these, you do unto me. And then, uh, oh, it looks like we got John here trying to knock on the door to come on stage. Excellent. So, um, but in any case, you know, I kind of pointed out before how that to me is more reflection on people and the secular side of things than it is on the divine side 
or non-secular side. To me, when you really get to, you know, um, the ultimate in existence of people like humankind, um, to me, there there is no, um, you know, inequity. You know, there, there is no greater or less than, you know, when you really get down to it, at least as far as we're concerned, you know, um, there's a lot of message to not judge another. Um, but yet I think, you know, I for sure um, have been guilty to, um, you know, in my, you know, 50 years of life, I, I think I unfortunately have judged people and, and had that effect you know, what I've done in a moment and so forth. Obviously, I don't try to do it in the long run, but I think for some reason I've been a part of this, um, you know, that once in a while, we, when a, if you want to call it a moment of weakness or whatever. But in all of this, on the scope of as far as people with disabilities, um, I've routinely said that to really get this to where it could be, you know, in the work of it, to think of, yes, faith life, like we're talking here, but then you have service life, lifelong learning, how it fits within government. And there's something to be said to how our faith life can help what we consider being a constituent of our government government agency work. And then all the fun things, you know, that, that we do in life, you know, helping people just have joy and happiness and recreate, recreate, you know, all that kind of stuff. But in this realm and thinking it from the faith side of this or with what this show is, I just offered to share about ability ministry. So in disability advocacy, disability ministries is something that um, I've looked into and I participated in disability ministries. And then in the work that I do, I kind of give it that ability spin. Like at the disability channel is showcasing abilities and then there's Ability MK now and World of Ability. And so in the ministry side, I make that uh, what we do as well is to say it's Ability Ministry and to have people think of So here at Christ Talk, I say, you know, how are we doing the work of Christ, you know, by and through and in openness to 100% of people and in terms of faith spaces too. You know, do we feel the- that the spaces that we go to, are they doing a good job to welcome in everyone that could be coming into these gathering spaces? Tell us about this abilities ministry since for people with disabilities. Is that something you're starting or what's the news about it? What is it? Well, as I share about ability ministry, I think in like if you look on Google and whatever, I think you can find other people who coincidentally um, are also working in this mantra of ability ministry. But for me, it was inspired on my own because of working with disability advocates, you know, like one of our friends, you know, was the first one to teach me about the idea of, Hey, look at my ability and not as much on my disability. Not that, you know, he was kind of like, he's proud of his disability, his life, you know, wouldn't be as great as it is if it weren't for his disability. But in terms of, to me, he was speaking to stigma. You know, I think people kind of, you know, make it a, the whole thing about disability advocacy where it's like, you know, avoid using the label of disable or something like that. So, so that's what I learned. I learned to think about 
what is there and what somebody can do, their ability versus their disability. So I created Ability Fest, which again, coincidentally, there were other organizations using this mantra of Ability Fest. Um, but like in disability ministries, um, you know, there's an organization in disability ministry that has a whole program for creating a disability friendly church, you know, and so forth. And I know like I come from the Catholic church. And so in Catholic church is a program that is geared to create a ministry that is done with people with intellectual and developmental disabilities and the priests at mass and, you know, people with intellectual and developmental disabilities are incorporated in the mass pro uh, process, the experience specifically as, um, you know, an element of the disability ministry. So, so it's anything where you sit down to the table and you say, Hey, with our faith community, what can we do to be more accessible and friendly and welcoming and to be more what somebody with a disability would have in mind when they're looking at, like, to say, here, Christ talk or whatever it is in faith spaces, prayer sessions, Bible studies, um, you know, a church service, the logistics of it, you know, how um, sermons are delivered, what clergy is doing, you know, is everything making it a, a level playing field, how ministry and faith is practiced as it would concern someone with a disability that even in terms of church leadership, you know, are we finding that people with disabilities have a great chance to be a leader within the faith community? Or is that unheard of that someone with a disability is a pastor or clergy or you know, other leadership roles, administrators. Well, I could say locally, locally to me in the Houston area, um, a lot of the most predominant churches are the largest and even have international ministries such as on TV and whatnot. They do not welcome people with disabilities. I and a few other people with autism alone have got kicked out of that one church. And the pastor of it is one of the richest pastors, top 10 richest pastors in the U.S. And so I have found one church that welcomes people with disabilities and actually has what they call their special needs ministry. Um, but that seems to be a scarce thing, at least where I live. And so it is, it is something that I could at least say, based on the Houston area, we need these ability ministries you're talking about. We need more of them and we need to help the ones that are there grow so they can reach the places that have special needs people, but not, not special needs ministries. Cause you know, like you're saying, we can all be part of the body, but in different ways based on what are our abilities versus disabilities or lack of disabilities. Yeah, I actually uh, also served um, on the board of a disability ministry. Um, but the, the premise of this one disability ministry was to minister and be a nonprofit and be of service um, almost like in a respite sense, you know, where it's like creating that ministry and the role of the faith community for parents or guardians of people with disabilities, 
um, because, you know, in the realm of community and in families and um, in the lives of children and, you know, adult with parents and so forth, uh, guardians that um, there's quite a bit of an unmet need there to look at helping life be more practical for parents and guardians of children with disabilities. Um, so, so that, that for sure applies to face space to look at, you know, how many parents or guardians are affected in reasonable, having a reasonable chance to participate in a service or to participate in a Bible study or to participate in a prayer group, you know, whatever it may be, all these faith experiences that there is a little bit of, um, you know, the culture stacked against parents and guardians of children with disabilities because the, the, that life role um, has its challenges and is tough in terms of, you know, keeping your energy up and managing activities, keeping everything straight, you know, so the mental toll, the emotional toll, the physical toll uh, that can be there. I mean, obviously, it's not for it's not a situation for everybody. Um, but it's a deeply underserved reality um, for life in general. And um, it, it was a great experience to see a nonprofit serve that from uh, the interests of a faith community and faith experiences for parents and, and uh, for parents and guardians of children with disabilities. All right, John, while well, you're in here, we haven't heard anything from you. What do you have to say? Um, I'm just listening. I think what Kurt said earlier, um, and I'm not real good at it, I'll have to admit, but many times when we're trying to service somebody, um, I have a tendency to answer before I, ha I really listened. Right. Um, I think um, when it comes to uh, dealing like with an argument, not an argument argument, but like an apologetics, um, we have a tendency to want to get out what we have Debate. to say before we listen to what somebody else says. It's not a debate. Oh, say that again. Are you talking about a debate? Yeah, like a debate. But even when there's people that have a problem, um, I have a tendency to answer or talk before I have a chance to really listen to what, especially if they're having a hard time communicating and they're trying to speak from the heart. I got to remind myself not to interject too soon and to just quiet down and listen because I think when pe sometimes people are talking, God talks through other people too. And sometimes if you're just quiet and listening, then he gives you a way to answer, answer how he would want you to answer. So that's what I'm practicing now is just is uh, being quiet a little bit more and listening uh, with both ears instead of just one. Um, a second thing, um, and this came to my mind too, on how we can um, 
talk to other people. My wife and I started a couple years ago of when we go to a restaurant and when the, um, the, the waiter or the, usually it's a girl, she'll come up and take your order. But, um, we usually say to her, um, I'm a Christian and we're here having dinner. Is there something we can pray for you for? And I'll, I'll be honest with you. It's an amazing response because they're not ready for it. Um, you know, here they are working and they're on their feet for a whole period of time. And then when you uh, come away quietly without, you know, trumpeting that you're a Christian or anything, but just saying, hey, you know, we're, we'd like to place our order, but is there something we can pray for you for? Um, and I can't tell you how many times waitresses have broken down and started crying. And there was some really heavy duty things that were going on in their life. But you you have no idea of that. You know, you're you're coming in to get a meal and um, they're, they're human and they're going through all kinds of stuff. And um, uh, many times they say to us, no one's ever said that to us. No one's ever asked us if, if we're okay or if, what's going on in our life, you know. So um, when they go to take the order, sometimes we pray for them right there, but sometimes we don't want to embarrass them inside the restaurant. And then uh, they'll go and place the order. And then, then sometimes Monica and I pray for them when they're before the meal comes out. So I think you just got to be careful with that too. But um, so we have had uh, amazing luck about that and not luck, but um, God, and I, and I know when you, when you do that the first couple times, um, you're, you're wondering how is this going to, uh, be taken? Is this going to be taken in a spirit of love, you know? So anyways, um, I, I would suggest all you, uh, all you guys try it sometime, just try it once. But I think the, uh, answers are can be pretty powerful and you'll probably do it again and again there's times we go into the restaurant and we forget all about it um i don't think it's something that would work like in a fast food uh place but it's something like you're sitting down and you've got a waitress that's, that's what i was up. thinking because i was thinking in the fast food they probably just go 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 you don't they don't want you to have time to talk versus what you're saying in the sit down right but on a sit down, you know, they do, you know, and uh, so I think each situation is different. And, you know, sometimes when you walk in the door, um, my wife and I talk to each other in a car and say, well, let's try it today. But when you walk into the door of the restaurant, you go, okay, where shall we sit? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because you have no idea. If you're going to sit at the right place that somebody has a situation where they need to, to have a prayer um so or and, even when you may sit down with somebody who needs a prayer but is reluctant to it because they're right battling in denial of christ or something like that like a spiritual battle um i'll be honest with you we haven't had that problem 
we haven't run into many situations like that. Um, many times they're just ready to, it's, it's such a surprise to them that somebody would come in and do that uh, and then just quietly say it so not everybody can hear it. Um, but it's just, uh, you know, and like I said, you gotta, when you walk in the door, you try to figure out, okay, Lord, guide me to the right table. That would be the right, uh, waitress, you know? And, uh, and most of the time they're so surprised they they stand there for a minute and they think, and they go, well, actually I do have something that you can pray for me about. And then other times. There's been times a waitress has just broken down and and uh, started crying right there. Um, so from our experience, it seems like not uh, you know eighty five percent of the time they have something they want to talk about. And and you can always tell too if somebody is uh, not into it or doesn't have something and then. You just move on. You figure out what you want to order and then order it right away, you know. So it's kind of an interesting deal, you know, something to try. Speaking of God and interaction, have you had any experiences where you encountered God recently or him at work? Uh, yeah, you guys. <laughs> Tell the story um, so our listeners will understand. Uh, well, when we were trying to get this off the ground, and I didn't know if you guys were Christian or not, and I didn't want to um, barge in on a moment, and I, I really didn't know what this was all about. Um, now I have a lot more uh, um a good feeling about all of it, you know. I I really believe my my wife actually works at Hobby Lobby. She works part time there, and she has a lot of opportunity to talk to people about Christ. She comes home and tells me about different uh, visitations she's had with different people. Um, like uh, there, were, I think it was uh, what day was that? Uh, I think it was Thursday. And she was in there, and uh, a lady that had just moved in at a, not too far from where we live, or the Hobby Lobby there, uh, came in. She she was a uh, stylist, and she uh, uh, cut hair for women. And she had a um, a studio where there were four other that she owned, and that there was four other people, other women that were cutting hair. And she just uh, started talking to her, and the lady told her she had a shop, and my wife needed to have a haircut also. Uh, but in their course of conversation, she found out she was a Christian. So they started talking about the Lord and then talking about a bunch of different things. And my wife then, uh, the next day, went and had a haircut by her. And she said she became like a fast friend, but we talked about the Lord a lot, you know. So she has because she is in a public place where I just work uh, out of my out of my home, um, so I don't have the opportunity like she does. So um, so she comes back and tells me about that. But when I used to have, and I used to um, go, 
I had a painting contracting business and I used to run in and talk to people all the time, you know. Um, so you, you just never know. Um, so did that answer your question? Jennifer? Jennifer, you know you need to unmute. We can't hear you. Just kidding. <laughs> um, I said yes, that does answer the question. But it sounds like we need to time to time have your wife come on here to talk more in depth about these uh, encounters because it sounds like basically God is using her a lot to reach these other people that are shoppers at uh, Hobby Lobby, if nothing more than a shopper. Maybe even some co-workers or her boss or whoever, but these are good stories. Maybe yeah. if it works through schedule, she can join us sometimes and be one of our guests. Yeah, she comes back and she tells me some amazing stuff sometimes. She's got to be somewhat careful because, but Hobby Lobby is a Christian organization, but they don't, I don't think they want you to spend too much time, but they don't really watch her real uh, carefully and nobody when they come in there, but she does uh, share with uh, other employees that work there though. Monica is very open. She, uh, she likes to talk about all kinds of a, uh, um, all kinds of visitors and people coming in to talk. And she's also very careful, too. She doesn't want to, uh, like you said, sometimes you run into somebody um, and they they have something against, let's say, Christianity or religion or whatever. Um, actually, I was uh, I was starting to build a website for a a lady that was a pet, uh, she brought in pets, and then uh, she was like a pet rescue. And at first, I thought we might have a lot in common about Jesus Christ, but it turned out she was very negative, uh, kind of like, like you brought it up. You know, she was raised as a preacher's kid, and she had heard all the stories and everything like that. So when I tried to talk to her a little bit about it she got really offended and um uh, and you know do you so, mean defensive yes she was very contentious um and i was trying to explain to her and she would interrupt constantly so she had come from a background uh her father was a preacher and she was then she was raised in a very um um, a very strict home and that um, when she had questions and stuff like that her her parents her dad especially um, didn't want her to talk much you know or uh, to to because you know kids have a lot of questions they have a, a, a million questions that they want to ask and if you shut that down on them they have a negative effect to that. Um, I know with my grandson, he's 25 years old now, but uh, when he was about 12, 13 years old, um, 
sometimes I would pick them up and take them to church. Um, but sometimes I would just talk about Jesus and talk about some hard stuff. If we got out of the uh, out of church, I would say, okay, what did you learn today? Or do you have a question uh, specifically? And if it was a tough question, I would say, you know what? That's, that's pretty tough. And there's sometimes when we run into people and we're having a debate, someone will ask a question and it'll be kind of tough. And uh, the best way to deal with that is to say, you know what? That's a really good question. I'm not so sure how to answer that. Could you give me a day or two to think about it or somebody I can talk to or look it up? Um, I got an idea what the answer might be, but I'm not absolutely positive. And then I tell them too, I said, I need to talk to, to uh, talk to God myself and ask what he would want me to say. So every once in a while, there's some really tough stuff like that that you have to go through and deal with, you know. So it, it just stretches you. I think a lot of people are scared of debating or apologetics because sometimes it's over their head or they don't know how to answer a specific question. You know, how many times have we been in a service? Uh, I listen to John MacArthur all the time, but there's other people, our local preacher too, and that he will be talking about something. Um, I know this weekend, uh, we had a chance, my grandson and I were talking, and then my daughter-in-law, Candace, who's a, a Christian too, and we all three of us go to a different church. So we have a chance to talk uh, with each other. And um, my grandson just graduated with a degree, and he's an IT guy, but he also got a divinity uh, so he, uh, and then we were talking about something that was really kind of tough. Uh, he's really intelligent in uh, the classes that he was taking. They were, um, they were things that he'd have to write a paper about that was kind of a, a tough thing. And then uh, on two different occasions, he called me up and he said, hey, Grandpa, this is an interesting question. What do you think? And then I find that we're bouncing things off of each other and we're trying to figure out and then we go back to the Bible and is it uh, a place that's just in one place in the Bible or is it in a couple of places and, and if you can look in a couple places then it will um, the answer will be right there too. I think God wants you to do some research um, and to try to understand because you know God's God. Um, how does he deal with a lot of situations, you know? Um, so uh, I find myself talking with my my grandson and my daughter-in-law, uh, everything from abortion. And my, uh, my daughter-in-law has uh, four daughters. And one is 20, one is uh, 18, and the other one is 15. And there are times that we talk uh, I freely. And I said, I've asked my my son and my daughter-in-law, can I talk to the girls about abortion? You know, I'm, I'm the grandfather, but I still have to respect what where they're at. And they say, no, talk about it with them. You know, we, they were homeschooled. Uh, my daughter-in-law would be someone that would be terrific to have on this program here. 
uh, and then maybe one of my daughter, my uh, grandchildren, the twenty-year-olds, you know, because uh, yeah, they let's were... definitely let's definitely talk about that and see see um, if both of them want to be or, or rotate. Definitely, we want to hear what they have to say, especially about the Lord or other topics as well. Yeah, my daughter-in-law Candace is a professional photographer. I can when we at about ten uh, fifteen years ago. I kind of taught everybody in the family. Uh, I'm sorry, I go back about 20 years. <laughs> uh, but uh, I taught everybody, uh, my sons and my daughter-in-law, how to be professional photographers. And then we actually opened up a photography studio. Uh, we did portraits and stuff, but mostly what we did was uh, wedding photography. So, um, um, and then going to weddings and the perspective on weddings is uh, if you're a believer in God, is very interesting too because I know there were times when we'd photograph a wedding, and they're usually always in a church of some sort. And then I would, uh, you know, think about the people that are getting married, uh, and then I would think, you know, is some of the churches were very. Uh, I did uh, weddings in Mennonite churches, Catholic churches, Greek Orthodox. Um, uh, even a Muslim wedding, Mormon weddings, you know, and, and to be a part of that and to see that I really got an education. Uh, and I was doing that wedding photography back in Illinois before I became a Christian. And, uh, so it was interesting, my perspective, uh, I went places that most people didn't. So, and then if you're at a wedding, especially, um, it was interesting how I'm trying to find the right way to say this, but, um, I would be, uh, because I was a rather nasty atheist myself, but I would just be open and listen and try to understand where they're coming from. Um, and this was way before I became a Christian myself. So I actually, uh, thought about a lot of stuff later. Um, what does this mean? Where, where does this go? Are these people legitimate? Are they in it for the money? Um, are they, do they seem to be nice people? Um, because, uh, the, the couple that's getting married are probably, younger than a lot of the parents that are there or the uh the church elders that are there too you know so i was actually given a back door to a lot of churches and a lot of people don't realize that if you're a photographer or even a videographer for a wedding you're going to places in ceremonies that most people don't have a chance to do but i did and then uh and then there were times that uh, we would always photograph our weddings with two photographers. One would shoot portraits and the other one would shoot uh, photojournalism. One would pose people and the other wouldn't just photograph things that were going on uh, in, the, in the wedding and have to be ready for it. But we would drive to the reception together and said, hey, what did you think about what the preacher said or what the bride and groom said? 
And I'll be honest with you, you know, sometimes there were supposed to be real religious uh, couple or thought you did, but <coughs> something would happen. And um, you could usually tell if the bride and groom were just going through the motions or if they were doing this for their parents or if they were really into it themselves. <coughs> so I am sorry if I went off the, the mark here a little bit, but I'm just kind of going through. Uh, no, it's my... very good content. No, you you have some great stuff to point out. Yeah. Um, my mother was also a wedding cake designer. She would do, she would make three and four wedding cakes uh, and then deliver them on a Saturday. This was back in Illinois um, in a, sub a suburb called Waukegan. She was very, very successful. And that's really, um, I had started taking photographs in high school and I was like the yearbook photographer and things like that. But um, I would many times deliver her cakes for her. And um, so there was, all, it, it sometimes it freaked me out because I was trying to deliver a cake uh, a wedding cake, uh, and then you're worried about getting in an accident, right? <laughs> was but, this anything related to how you found Christ or how Christ you see Christ working today? Like when you're looking back at stuff like this? Oh, yeah. Um, because of how I found Christ is I photographed a wedding for um, a Catholic man, and he was marrying a Jewish girl. And they had a rabbi and a Catholic priest there to marry him. And I remember going to that, and it was very interesting how they tried to meld the two together. Because these two obviously really loved each other. But they, she was very Jewish, and he was very Catholic. And I remember thinking at the time, well, how's this going to work? <laughs> and, and, I, and, I was an, and I was an atheist, right? So... Um, and that was a question I always had, too. Uh, can an atheist marry uh, a Jew or a Christian? Um, well, it depends upon which which aspect, because legally, yes. it's but, but the Bible is what says that we must be e equally yoked. Thou shall not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Right. Meaning that a Christian is only marrying another Christian that is also strong in faith and dedicated to the Lord. So, and some people say Catholics are not Christian because they don't believe in just the Holy Trinity, but they like pray to Joseph and Mary and all the other stuff. So, it can be debatable about Catholic being Christian or not, but either way that the Bible says for those who are Christians that we're to only marry other Christians. Right, and I, I second that because my wife and I, uh, her and I have talked many times and said, if I wasn't a Christian, and what would you talk about? We, Monica and I talk about some really deep stuff. We have like a debate with each other, not, not, not like an argument argument, but something that Control we're going debate. back. Yeah. And I, I say, what do you think about this? What do you think about it? And then we go back and forth. But we have a number of non-Christian uh, people that don't believe in God that are friends uh, from the past. And 
I always ask her, what what do you think in their deep, quiet times together, what do they talk about? You know, obviously, if they're a family, they talk about their kids and their children and their welfare, talk about work. But if you're talking about like culture stuff, and we bring that up all the time, we look at what's going on in the world and the culture and the division within our country. Um, and liberal versus conservative, we we ask, oh, what what's what do you think is going through their mind? And then she goes because she was an atheist, not like I was, but she was a non-believer at one time. And then we'll say, well, remember when you were in this place? What what were you thinking about? How would you how how would you handle this um, when it comes to something mm-hmm. like? When it comes to something like abortion, my wife and I, and uh, I'll, I'll say it right here, her and I have been through this on our own. She had an abortion at one time, and I actually dealt with abortion on, with a couple of my girlfriends. Once I became a Christian, I realized my whole worldview was wrong, and I had to have a Christian worldview, but I both of us have become very anti-abortion now. But at one time, we promoted it. So talk about a strange turnaround, you know what I'm saying? Uh, So anyway, sometimes Monica has run into some girls um, that are thinking about an abortion. And so she'll be, um, it's better to come from her because she's a woman also that has done this this thing and um so um you know i think god has wanted to use her on a number of occasions to administer to somebody like that that has been there and sees it from both directions so you know when you're talking about somebody our age we're both 70 years old we've got a wealth of uh life problems that we have gone through and then, uh, like Monica always says, uh, she's talking to, uh, to to girls about dating and uh, saving yourself, you know. And she's had these talks with our gra- our granddaughters about saving themselves for the right guy, because our culture thinks that's really old fashioned. You're talking about the um, waiting until marriage, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, and then, but she is very free with that information uh, with young girls that, that she might meet that she starts talking about it too, you know, because uh, she's been through all, all this kind of stuff when she was a kid or a young girl, you know, and didn't save herself, you know. And then you got me who is, you know, it, and it's so much different when you're dealing with a, a teenage girl with a teenage boy or young, young individual. So, um, so th- there are so many complications, but I think if you just, you're quiet and you ask questions, I think that's a big deal is don't be afraid to ask questions. And if you don't have an answer for it, just say, Hey, can I get back to you on this? Um, Very good. Because you, you will run into something. That's how I got into apologetics and I started dealing with uh, um, 
uh, different things through scripture and stuff. But then the big argument, the big thing that you're talking about is evolution now. And that's where I uh, have really devoted a lot of study and time into evolution. Is it real? Is it possible? And then listening to different uh, scientists and finding out what is really the truth about it. You know, well, so we're out of time, but that definitely is something to note is your findings on this research. I want to note that for um, two Mondays away. Next Monday is Thanksgiving. So, I mean, it's the Monday before Thanksgiving, so we will not be on here. But what's the second Monday away from today, let's pick up there. And right now, we're turning it to Emily. <coughs> Does anybody have any announcements that they would like to share with the group? Do you have any announcements, John? No, no. Uh, so what you were saying is two weeks from today. And did you want me to talk about what I found out about uh, evolution and stuff? All that research on our next Jaws Christ Talk that's in okay. two Mondays. Okay. And as far as announcements, everybody, um, <clears throat> we are looking for a social media manager uh uh, if you think you're the candidate for it, please get on our calendar via calendly.com slash Jen's Books and More. That's calendly.com slash J-E-N-N-S Books and More. We are also looking for a virtual assistant uh, to do uh, a lot of uh, executive assistant tasks as well as uh, podcasting assistance with the recordings and so forth. Uh, if you feel that you're a great candidate for this, you too, also please go to Calendly.com slash Jen's Books and More. That's Calendly.com slash J-E-N-N-S Books and More. Uh, so whether you, whichever position you're interested in, we ask that you go to our Calendly to get on our schedule for an interview. And if this is not you, then we ask that you share it with somebody who uh, you think may be interested or a possible candidate. Uh, please also subscribe to our podcast on your favorite app at Jaws Coffee Chat. And be sure to check out our website where you'll find books that I, Jennifer A. Whitaker, has, have written. Um, that's www.jensjennsbooksandmore.com and to you Emily um, I wanted to um, I wanted to, th to thank everybody for uh, joining us um, our next episode of the Draws Christoph will be on November 28th. Um, and to be sure to subscribe to our channels and pages um, where you found us and check out website for other, um, other info on books, other podcasts, and other things. Um, by Jennifer A. Whitaker at www.jensbooksandmore.com. That is J-E-N-N-S, bookshandmore.com. 
Till next time, we wish you a productive and enjoyable week. Recording stopped. All right, we are off. All right. Let's get on Ability Now Zoom and work on that stuff we said we would do after this. Um, I am actually um, needing to be in another meeting right now. Okay, so, well, you okay. did good. You were great. Um, then I'll see you on our Wednesday slot and Thursday slot. But uh, text me if there's any time you have for Tuesday so we can work more on getting these actually out there to get publicity. Okay, sounds good. But you're doing good, okay, Emily? I know you're trying. Keep it up. You're, you're doing great, okay? Okay. Thank you. Have a good rest of your day. Bye. You try.